God a hand clap this morning. Amen. Where can we go? Sister Kadiwa in our midst, uh, she's welcome. Amen. She's our family in Zimbabwe. Amen. If you go to Zimbabwe, they make you feel welcome there. Uh, amen. So we appreciate it to have you, Sister, this site. Amen. Now, Brasbua heard him say, he told his body that we are going to church. Amen. 
there is always a conversation between a theophany and a terrestrial body. Uh, and then if your body is under subjection of the theophany, it goes to church. Amen. Philippians 4, uh, verse 18. Philippians 4, verse 18. We found we can say amen. amen. But I have, but I have all, and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell. A sacrifice acceptable. Well pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many believe that God will supply all their needs according to his riches? Amen. Maybe I can simply say, if you if you meet a, a billionaire and you say to, a billionaire says to you, uh, "I will supply what you need," then that means his ability to supply to you is based on your need. But if he says, I will supply according to my riches. Uh, I don't know whether you get the difference there. Because you need maybe 100 rand. And he wouldn't have a problem to give you that. But when he says, you ask according to my riches. Then you want to ask 100 rand. Ah, I'm just giving an example here. Amen. God's riches are unlimited. Amen. Shall we bow our heads? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your grace and mercy. You made it possible for us to be here, dear God. And for that, we are quite thankful for such a lovely day, for good health that we are enjoying Maybe some are not here because they are not feeling well, but we are sending a prayer their way that may they be completely healed wherever they are in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to commit the reading of the word to you for your glory. And Lord, just be gracious this morning and supply our need according to your riches. Dear God, I know that you will certainly do that. As I commit everything to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. God bless you.
much thankful this morning. Uh, I want to speak on uh, the message. We just want to speak on attitude. Attitude. Yes, last week we were speaking about the mind. So we thought it's just a natural progression that we move from the mind to the attitude. Amen. I don't know, brothers, if you can just attend to this speaker. Amen. So we are very much thankful. Uh, Some say you can put on a good dress a good suit put on a good perfume but still have a a stinking attitude Amen I don't know how many of you have you ever come across people that looked elegant smelled very good but the attitude it was there there was nothing to write home about the attitude Amen Now, when we are a church the way we are, uh, and I believe, I believe the attitude, if I use the analogy, the attitude, it is the antenna of the character. You know somebody's character by their attitude. Do we agree? And I believe that you can have an individual attitude and you can have, as a group here, you can have a collective attitude. And the collective attitude is made by a summation of individual attitudes in the church. And the collective attitude, it's a reflection of a collective character. Let me read here in the message, God hiding himself in simplicity, paragraph 1-4. Brother Brown says, now, I think it's our duty to make the inside right, meaning the decor. By the grace of God, to be so grateful to God, this will just not only be a beautiful building that we'll come to, but may every one of one, everyone who comes in see the beautiful characteristic of Jesus Christ in every person that comes in. May it be a consecrated place to our Lord, a, con- a consecrated people, for no matter how beautiful the structure is, that we certainly do appreciate. The beauty of the church is the character of the people. I trust it will always be a house of God of beauty. Amen. So we agree that the beauty of the church is not the structure. A good structure is required. It's fine. It's a blessing. But the character of the people is what makes the church to be beautiful. Do we agree with that? Now, I maybe bring my diagram, brother, uh, so that we can 
see what we can do. I this morning I as I'm preaching to you uh, normally when you preach to people you preach to people at different stages uh, before I get to my quotations and my notes uh, this is something that just came to mind when I was reading a while back that you, you've got and I've realized you've got people in different zones or you've got different zones in life you've got what I would call a comfort zone. A comfort zone is when you are just content with the way things are, satisfied with just the way things are. You take every day as it comes. Are you still with me? But one thing for sure, I do not know of any testimony that has ever come from a comfort zone. People that stay in comfort zone have got no testimonies. I'll repeat that. People that are in comfort zone, they can never testify about the greatness of God. Uh, then God has got a, a way of creating circumstances that pushes you out of their comfort zone. Brother Branham says sometimes God creates state of emergency. And with a state of emergency, let's say somebody in the family that is very close to you, sickness strikes, or you lose a job, or something goes haywire. Immediately it moves you out of the comfort zone. It brings you into a discomfort zone. Now, a lot of times, people that are in the comfort zone do not see a need for God. The people that are in the comfort zone do not see a need for God. Because why? It's, a, it's an area of control. They think that they are in control of their environment. And when you think you're in control, you've got a tendency of praising yourself. Actually, a comfort zone breeds a pride. I've got it together. I'm running my affairs. These things are training in the right direction. It has more I, I, I. But God has got a way of dislocating you from the comfort zone and bring you into a discomfort zone. Already you can see the attitude that you have when you are in the comfort zone will not be the same attitude that you have in the discomfort zone. Now, when you are in the discomfort zone, I call it a learning zone. This is where you get to, you get to even learn. Uh, uh, some people, when they were pushed here, that's when they realized that people that they thought were friends were not really friends. Um, are you with me? And I can take it further. Even churches that they thought were real churches they realized that, the, goodness, this was not a real church. You don't know people when you are in your comfort zone. You know them when you are in your discomfort zone. Now, when you are in the discomfort zone, 
and you don't know the reason you are there, and you don't have the right attitude, you can go further into what I call a panic zone. A panic zone is where now you forget who you are. You forget what you believe in. You forget what has brought you until this far. Are you here? We know believers that were in the comfort zone, sickness strikes, they go into a discomfort zone, and then when they don't know that the Lord, I'm the Lord that God that healeth thee of all thy diseases, and they don't have the right attitude, we have seen some can go into a panic zone and consult Sangomas. Uh, are you here? If you are a believer, you consult a sangom or some twisted prophet in some dark corner somewhere, you are in a panic zone. And because the church does not know who she is, the reason you see a proliferation of false prophets is because people are in a panic zone. And that is why it makes us that are believe in God to be very concerned. Do you get what I mean? So, Satan is going to bring you here and God will bring you here and you will prefer to be here. So, that's what I'm going to speak about and you can just leave it as it is, my brother, so that we reflect on, on these things. Amen. Those that are in professional circles would know we do not hire based on mental capacity. We hire based on mental attitude. You can have a guy that is very intelligent but does not get along with anyone. And you can have a guy that does not know anything but he gets along with customers. Are you still with me? Amen. So, I'm going to speak on the attitude. While I'm reflecting on what I've beamed today, let me just make some remarks. Satan does not know you like God knows you. Satan does not know you like God knows you. God knows you irrespective but Satan knows you based on your reactions. You are a mystery to the devil until such time you say it or you do something. Then he knows what you are thinking. Are you still with me? And actually there are somewhere where I think Brother Bram says, don't talk about what you are going to do. Satan may get a hold of you and hold of it and cause a mess. Are you believers? Are you here? Amen. So sometimes your plans in life are sabotaged because you go everywhere and tell everyone. Sometimes you just need to to keep mum and wait until it comes to fruition. Amen. Now, the Bible says God has a record of every idle weight that comes out of our mouth. 
Now, as much as God has got a record of every thought and every weight, Satan as well has got uh, his messengers, which are demonic forces, that records all our weights and actions. And these messengers, they report back to Satan based on what we do. For instance, if you are being tested by Satan and sickness strikes you, there will be symptoms all over your body. And right there, Satan is watching. Are you going to talk about God or are you going to talk about the symptoms? Then when you talk about the symptoms and say, oh dear God, I'm going to die. Then the messenger reports to Satan and says, that one is ensnared by their own weights. Because remember, life and death is in the power of tongue. Uh, Are you with me? And Satan wants you to make a negative confession. Because confession inevitably must become a reality. Are you still with me? Before I get into the message, I think it was Joseph Thomas Jefferson that once said, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal, and nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude, and nothing can help a man with a wrong mental attitude. Are you still with me? And maybe let me clear what an attitude is, because Brother Roman spoke about this phrase many a times. A right mental attitude is more than wishful thinking. People think when we speak about a right mental attitude, we just say you maybe you are at a certain corner, then you will just think positive thoughts. It is more than wishful thinking. Why am I saying it's more than wishful thinking? It has to have a base. And there is no better foundation for the right mental attitude except the word of God. Are you here? And when we say you've got the right mental attitude, it does not immunize you that you are going to have problems. You are going to have problems, but you are going to save your problems daily with a positive attitude. Why with a positive attitude? Because you know God has got a way that he's going to make, which is a way of escape for you. Are you still with me? Now, a right mental attitude will enable you to possess peace, calmness, self-control, and determination. Are you still with me? It will help you or free you up from pressure. Let me come to the quotation of my prophet expectation. Brother Bram says, we always get what we expect. I can overemphasize this enough. We always get what we expect. What are your expectations this morning? You're going to get exactly what you're expecting. Brother Bram says, if you come to church with a, 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 a critic attitude, there's going to be a plenty that you're going to find. But if you came with gratitude, there's plenty to be gracious for. And not only in church, even in your life, you'll get what you expect. Are you here? In your marriage, you get what you expect. Everywhere you get what you expected. That is, that's what the prophet said. 
when people expect anything, well, they usually get what they usually get what they look for. Is the mental attitude that you have. Remember this and never forget it. The right mental attitude towards any promise of God will bring it to pass. The right mental attitude towards any promise of God. It doesn't take gifts of healing to heal a sick people. Any person in here has a right to meet Satan anywhere if you are a Christian and defeat him on any grounds where he could stand. Not for the pastor only, not for the deacons, not for the elders. Everyone that is here that claims to be a Christian, they've got a right to meet Satan on every ground and defeat Satan right there. But what will make you to defeat Satan? It's your mental attitude. Your mental attitude towards the divine promises of God. But I want to say, when your attitude is right towards the right promise, it will bring that promise to pass. Are you still with me? And he makes a striking statement. He, he says, he calls a condition. He says, I've seen sarcomas, sarcomas cancer. I think uh, sarcomas bromotype would be a cancer of the bones around the f- uh, connecting joints where there is fat. Is it like that? All right. I track. Amen people here so I need to read carefully <laughs> amen ah, I'm not the kind of pastor that just comes and pretends to know anything some people that pretend to know everything they may end up saying something and a poor professional is sitting there and say ah today people are being lied to you <laughs> amen that's why it's best when you don't know about something you keep quiet or if you don't know about something, you ask somebody. Are we together? I'm the type of person, whenever there is a matter that I need to attend to, I don't believe that, hey, pastor knows everything. And that one is a bad theology. Amen. Because if you say a pastor knows everything, can he fix you? I mean, it is Benz. There are people who have got different specialties. Are we together? But a pastor can give you an advice that is anointed. And because you respect the gift of God in the man, it can work out even though it may not be a correct advice. I understand what I'm talking about. A poor man with a good uh, motive gives you an advice and you are a professional and you know that it doesn't make sense. But later you try it. It may find that it is inspired by God through that man of God. Are we together? We don't know everything, but we serve God that knows everything. He says, I've seen sarcomas cancer healed by the right mental attitude towards God's divine weight. Cancer falling off, not because somebody was fasting, not because somebody prayed the whole night, just because somebody had the right mental attitude cancer fell off. Are you here, people? So that is why I think the good doctors would know when a patient comes and there's what we call the placebo effect. Placebo is when a doctor plays with your mind. 
Uh, because if you come to see a doctor and you say, I'm sick, and the doctor looks at you, examines you, and says, there is nothing wrong with you. Don't worry about anything. Go home. I know you people. Immediately you step out of that doctor's practice and say, I don't have a pill. I don't have medication. What a waste of time. Are we together? Now, a good doctor knows that I cannot send this poor guy away. Uh, even if he just gives you panado or something and say, just three times a day. He knows that because you believe in that way. They call it in medical science. They call it a placebo effect. They, it, it does not. Hallelujah. The mothers, let me give you a tip. The grape water that you are giving your baby, it is for the mother, not for the baby. You know that. It, has, it absolutely does nothing on the baby. It is just designed to calm the mother. But unfortunately, it's being consumed by the baby. It is useless. But what makes it useful is because you think, oh, can I get an amen on it? There's the doctor is confirming that. Your mother gave you grape water. You are giving your children grape water. You are even teaching them that I just give the baby grape water. It does not work. It only works on you as the mother that at least you did something. Yes. I, I know some are thinking, but I gave the baby, the baby was, uh, had a colic and was uncomfortable. I gave the baby, and after a while, the baby was calm. No, the grape water is useless, but it triggered a positive attitude of expectation that if I do this, even though the grape water is useless, it will bring results. And if a useless grape water can bring results, how much more the right mental attitude towards the word of God, it will bring the results all the times. Amen. I tried something that you sent me out. I laughed. It might have worked for you. It did not work for me. Uh, he sent me something that you can try where if you've got ants in the house, if you slice a cucumber and you put it around where the ants are, then the ants are going to disappear. Now, the reason it did not work for me is because of my attitude. I sliced the cucumber, put where the ants are. In the morning when I woke up, the ants were enjoying moving over the, over the cucumber. But then I realized that, no, it's not working for me because I don't believe in it. And because I don't believe it, that's why I was testing it. And for me to test it because I did not believe. But somebody that did that and believed that, it worked for them. It's a question of attitude, folks. This morning you came to church. You are listening as we are preaching. What you're going to get out of here depends on your attitude. Somebody is just church as usual, but somebody say, I'm going to get something. Ye that say, I'm going to get something, surely shall get something. 
somebody says, I come to the service, this, this is going to be a turning point. This has been a struggle after struggle, but today it's a turning point. And if you came with that attitude, it's going to be a turning point. Are you with me? It depends on your attitude. Normally they say Mondays are are difficult. Mondays is a struggle. I've come to learn that no, it's an attitude. Because if we can say we are extending Monday is no longer Monday, we are moving to Tuesday. We start on Tuesday. Tuesday will be, now you'll speak about Tuesday blues. It's not, there is nothing wrong with Monday. Actually, to the right people, Monday, it's a new beginning. It is to fix what went wrong last week. Your attitude. Amen. Does it help you, folks? Amen. Cancer falling off because of attitude. And I believe sugar diabetes can fall off because of attitude. And a lot of times, maybe those that uh, would know um, that, uh, that were culturally inclined before they came into the message, and maybe you, your family used to go to witch doctors. Remember, there's never been a witch doctor that you can go to that can say, uh, you've completed your treatment. Every time when you go there, there is a new crisis. And there are some churches as well. When you go to that church, the prophet will always tell you, I see death in the family. Here, we are not going to prophesy silly things over your life. We say, God will bring you to an expected end. Hallelujah. So, if you go, I want you to check, because last week we spoke about the mind how the state of mind affects the attitude. Uh, the reason a prophet, a false prophet or a sangoma will keep on saying there is a, there is a, and remember, any person can panic. A lot of people, they think that certain races cannot panic. I, the other time I was at Highfield Mall, I found a white lady being cornered by a false uh, Nigerian prophet. And I, I became very curious that, uh, goodness, because we know white folks normally don't fall for such, but I was quite captivated. How did this man get a hold of this woman? Yeah. Then when I came closer, I realized that it, he kept on saying, something is going to go wrong in the family, and uh, things are not going wrong, right in your marriage. And I realized that it does not matter what race you are, you are not immune from panic. And anyone that can make you panic can control you. I will, con- I will say that. Anyone that can make you panic will control you. Now, I realized that uh, he made the poor lady to panic. And because she panicked, because once you panic, you lose uh, a sense of reality. Uh, and uh, when you are in a panic mode, any person can prescribe anything to do. You are going to do exactly that. Are we together? Now, the reason you, when you go to a Sangam or a false prophet, he tells you that things are going to go in wrong. 
this is what is happening in your family. And you can do one, two, three to do it. What's happening? He messes up with your mind first. And because he has messed up with your mind, then he, he, that thing has got an impact on your attitude. Then he uses your attitude to attract negative things into your life. I hope you are together. He uses your attitude to attract the wrong things into your life. He tells you that something is going wrong. Maybe when you asleep at night, there is this noise. Then you begin to have that attitude. Then at night you hear a noise. But it doesn't mean, it could be that the noise was not there. But because he messed up with your mind, you are beginning to imagine that. And because you hear the noise, things that you said will happen, you begin to see a trace of them happening. And I say, if a Sangoma can use my attitude against me, I will use my attitude to advance myself in the kingdom of God. I, I know what I'm talking A lot of things that we say it's a curse. It's not a curse. It's just an attitude pro, uh, disposition that is adopted by a family. Uh, are you still with me? We're trying to fix an attitude. Let's uh, get a, a Bible character that once moved. She was in a comfort zone. She had a brother, Lazarus, who was a provider. Everything was going right. And later they moved from their church and they followed Jesus. Everything was still going right in the comfort zone. Then all of a sudden sickness struck. They moved from a comfort zone to a discomfort zone. And when they sent the message to Jesus, instead of coming towards them, he further moved away. And I believe that if you are in the discomfort zone, I, I, I just wonder if you were, if it was during the time of social media and you were, Jesus was somebody's pastor, would have immediately updated on social media, these pastors cannot be there when they are needed. And there is, no, there is nothing that offends people than for a pastor not to show up when there is a death in the family. I tell you, that, that is so serious that it can change, make a person to leave church. Are you with me? Here's a man, we have left our church. We have followed him despite our priest's advice. And now death has struck in the family. He moves further alone away until he got sick and he died. And while he's there, they were sure that he got the message because they did not send telegram. They must have sent a messenger to go and tell him that your friend Lazarus is sick. But the more he moved away. Now, then they had to bury him. They buried him. The friend was not there. The pastor friend did not preach. After four days, Brother Brom says, when you die, the first thing that falls off is your nose. Within 72 hours, decay sets in and the nose falls off. After four days, that's when he came. And when he came, he was coming in the street. They heard the noise that the Messiah is here. Then Brother Brother said, Martha there could read in the Bible and see that the Shunammite woman got the desire of her heart because she recognized that God at that age lived in his prophet, how much more was he in his son? 
Brother Bram tells you that when she was going through that, she picked up a Bible character and said, on the basis of what God has done for this Bible character, God will do it for me. When you are going through challenges, go into the scripture and find one character that you can identify with and channel your energy towards that character. Exactly what God has done for that character, God will do it for you. If you don't have a child, look at Sarah. Look at Hannah. If things are going wrong, look at Job. Hallelujah. And when you identify with that character, something is going to take place. I'm going to come back on that one. Amen. There he was. God was in his son, reconciling the world to himself. She knew that. She ran up to him in the right attitude. She had every right to run to him and say, Master, where were you when our family was going through a difficult time? Where were you until, I mean, we don't even know who presided over the funeral of Lazarus, but the Bible says the Jews, they came to comfort him, them. The very people that they left were coming to comfort them. And I can imagine they must have wondered and said, those that we depended on are nowhere to be found. Those that we have left are here to comfort us. You tell me the truth. Unless you've got the revelation, it's bound to shift your loyalty. You're bound to say, at least these people, they may not preach the truth, but at least they are human. At least they've got Ubuntu. Hallelujah. But I'm glad we're not looking for Ubuntu, we're looking for revelation. Because Ubuntu can take you to hell, but revelation will take you to heaven. What they needed was not Ubuntu. What they needed was revelation of knowing who he is. Month after four days, she runs to him and says, Master, we know had you been here, our brother would have not died. She knew he had the ability to stop a disease. He, she knew he had the ability to stop a funeral. But yet, he was unavailable. And Jesus looked at her and said, Brother said, because of the right mental attitude, Jesus said, thy brother shall rise again. And Mary began to testify and say, we know that at the resurrection, our brother will come again. I like Sister Mary. Sister Mary had a revelation. She knew that I lost my brother in the Lord, but I will be reconnected to my brother. But me losing my brother does not change my relationship with my Messiah. At the resurrection, hallelujah, she was pointing at an event. But Jesus said, resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. It says, Martha, your brother will rise today because I am the way, the truth, and the life. The resurrection was standing before Martha. Hallelujah. And Martha said, I know whatever you ask of the Lord, the Lord shall do it. Oh, Martha was getting the Messiah into a zone where he can perform the miracle by the right attitude. I can imagine 
Jesus must have looked at Martha and said, where have you laid him? Where have you laid? Four days later. The worm's already crawling in the casket. And said, where have you laid him? And he came there by the grave, by the tomb of Lazarus. When he cried, he was a man. But when he said, Lazarus, Lazarus, what made Lazarus to resurrect, it was the attitude of his sister. Your attitude can change things in your family. Are we still with together? He says, she ran up to him in the right attitude. She said, Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, whatever you ask God, God will do it. Something has to happen now. She's at the right place. Before the right divine person. With the right mental attitude. Speaking the right ways. Believing the right things. The old cock is working right together. Something has to happen. Did you hear what, he, what is the recipe? The recipe is be at the right place. Find your position in the weight. Before the right divine person, Jesus Christ. Not a prophet. A false prophet, folks. Jesus Christ. With the right mental attitude. Speaking the right ways. How many of us, when trial came our way, we spoke wrong ways? Believing the right things. The old cox is working together. When you take that kind of faith, something has got to happen. She said, Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, whatever you ask, God will do it. I'm saying, find a character in the Bible that you identify with. You remember the story of the Mississippi woman? whose child had a sexual transmitted disease and was there tossing in bed in pain. And the poor mother realized there isn't much that I could do for the child. And she began to search through the scriptures and began to read about the story of the Shunammite woman. And, and vividly she saw what Elijah did for the Shunammite woman and realized that she was in exactly the same spot where the Shunammite woman was. And in her heart, she cried out, God, where is thy Elijah? She did not know about Malachi 4. She did not know that there was the Elijah in the end time. She did not know much. All she did, she just belonged to her old denomination. But right there, God began to bring an inspiration upon her heart. That there is Elijah in the land. And right there, she never, she never panicked. Hallelujah. She was in the discomfort. But through that, she learned something. That the scriptures can become a reality. If you've got the right mental attitude. A flight already taken off. While it was airborne. The pilot made an apology and said, We've got to make a U-turn. We've got to land and did not explain what the problem was. They explained that it might have been the weather. But I tell you, it was not the weather. Amen. 
There was a faith of the woman somewhere in a secret chamber that created the storms to bring the plane down. Hallelujah. Then a prophet of God stepped out of the plane, did not know where he was going. He took this turn and that turn and that turn and the Holy Spirit took hold of him. And as he was walking down the street, a woman, Brother Bram said, she was banging on a gate. That, 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 that posture is a posture of relaxation. Relax on the gate. What did she know? The right mental attitude. What did she know? The right promise. What did she know? God has got the ability to make Elijah to walk out of the pages of the Bible. And as he was going past, Brother Bram did not even know where he was going. The woman said, good morning, pastor. And he turned around and said, how do you know that I'm a pastor? He said, you don't know. I've been here, I've been reading about the Shunammite woman. And my child is sick. And I said, where is the God of Elijah? I need Elijah. And God told me to stay here. Elijah will come this way. Hallelujah. Brother said, I walked into that room. There was a sign. There was a picture that showed it was a Christian home. And say, I was ushered into a room. The child had been screaming, I see darkness. I see darkness. But when the prophet of God came there, he says, I began to pray for the child. I said, God, you've got to honor the faith of the mother. Right there, the child began to cry. I see the light. What made Elijah to walk out of the pages of this is not a Bible story. This is the reality of the matter. Are you here, church? And today, you, where you are sitting, you can identify a scripture, you can identify a quotation, and you can begin to master the right mental attitude. Something is going to take place. I say something is going to take place. If you've got the right mental attitude, and say, God, I know you spoke about it. You did it for her, you did it for him, and you will do it for me if I come on the same basis. Our God is not dead. I'm here to make an announcement. Our God is not dead. Our message is not dead. Hallelujah. Our faith is not dead. We've got to have the right mental attitude. If you have the right mental attitude right now, your environment can change. Things can begin to work in the right way. But say the right things. Believe the right things. And God will make them to materialize. Folks, I think we've got the right capacity to change things by our attitude. Hallelujah. You're not going to be defeated. If you're sick, you're not going to die. I was telling a brother that I had cancer, I said, you're not going to die. If you believe me, don't believe the doctor. Believe my report. You are not going to die. There is a God that can heal cancer. Folks, I said there is a God that can heal cancer. Not there was a God. There is a God. There is a God. Now to heal cancer. I'm not speaking about a historical God. I'm not preaching about the historical God. I'm preaching about the great I am. The God of now. The God of the season. For the believer of the season. For the challenge of the season. That God is here right now. 
Not the God of yesterday. Not the God of Moses. Not the God of Isaiah. You are God. He's still a God today. If you've got the right mental attitude, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. I want you to change your attitude. Because attitude, when it is negative, is like a flat tire. It will never get you anyway. I know believers that have got a negative attitude that is like a flat tire. They're not going anywhere. But the word of God is here. To inflate your attitude. To tell you that all things are possible to them. That believe that there is a God who is willing to come down and bring a show down. Do you believe that, brothers? Do you believe that, sisters? That there is a God who still can make things happen. A God that can make things happen. We are not going to panic. We will be here. And that's why I said, God, bring me out of my comfort zone. Yes, I don't want to be in a comfort zone. Because I will never testify. I want to be in a discomfort. If disease strike, let it strike. So that I can call the God that can heal. And say, he has healed me. Folks, am I available? That God can use me in any way to testify that he's not dead. Are you available? And you need to understand what you are talking about. Because he's going to bring you through some rough patches. But one thing that you know, hallelujah, when you get into a tunnel, it becomes darker. But there is one thing that you know, the same light that I saw before the tunnel is waiting for me on the other side of the tunnel. I don't know what you are going through, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Folks, you are not going to give up here. Don't give up on yourself. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Because there is a God of that light. And that God is the light. Right mental attitude. What's any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. Brothers, I was out in the woods hunting. And I was sitting, sleeping, and a voice spoke to me and said, what do you want? I was meditating on Mark 16 that if you say to this mountain, be moved, you believe it, something it is going to move. Not Jesus, but you. And since when I was there, then a voice said, What do you want? And I thought I was dreaming. I rubbed my eyes. Then I realized that I was not dreaming. The voice said, Wow, what do you want? She said, I need squirrels. How many do you want? I need three. As I stood up there, I looked around and I said, let there be a squirrel. And the squirrel was there. And I shot at the squirrel. And I went there, I thought it was a vision, but I realized that it was bleeding. Vision does not bleed. And I picked up my squirrel and I was on my way home. And the voice said, but you said, how many do you want? Then I looked around and I said, let there be a squirrel on the sycamore tree. Then there was a squirrel there, then I shot it. Then I picked it up, and the voice said, What do you want? The third one, where do you want it to come from? So I wanted to run from that direction to that direction. Then I shot it. This. Then I went home. No eyewitness. No selfie. <laughs> now evidence. 
one man with God out in the woods. And he began to share this testimony with the brothers around the table. Right there, what a paradox. What an, unbelie- what an unbelievable story. I believe if he would, I don't know how would have reacted. Me, I'm more of a realist. I don't know. Maybe I could have said, hey, Brother Brenham, hey. Don't pretend like you would have just said, no, 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 no. We don't know. Uh, he, he, Brother Brenham's deacon said, ah, no, Brother Brenham. No, no, wait a minute. You can't blame the brother. He, this story, it seemed improbable. But right there, a woman, right at the corner there. She was not even part of the discussions. Brother Bram says she said the right thing. And when she said the right thing, what happened? He says the whole, he says the whole ghost dropped right through that channel. And says Brother Bram stood up and said, what do you want? Ask whatever you want. Brother Bram says, that woman looked at the story of the Syrophoenician woman in the Bible and identified herself with that character and was able to get whatever she wanted. And this morning I say, who do you identify with? Who do you identify with? Amen. Are you still with me? Now, Days. When you come, friend, let me say this to you. It's your mental attitude, the way you approach anything. He says, the woman that touched the hem of the master, she felt virtue. But the soldier who put a rag around his head and hit him on the head said, if you're a prophet, tell me who hit you. I'll believe you. They did not feel any virtue. It's the way you approach it. It's the way you approach it. Are we together? You remember about the woman with the blood issue? It's quite amazing when I was, last time when I was in Zimbabwe, I, I, was, I, I was going with Pastor Chitsindi to, towards the pulpit. Actually, before you come to the office, you go down, before you come through to the pulpit, there is, there is two, there's an office. So normally I would wait for him there in that office, then he would come in, then would walk in onto the stage, onto the pulpit. Now, that day he came in, then he said, are you ready to go? I said, Pastor, uh, I will follow you, you can go. Because I was waiting for their technical team to do something for me. And I waited there. I did not know why I had to wait there. 
All I knew, I was just waiting for them to do a printout for me. When I was out there in the room, in the office, there was a woman that had a bleeding problem for many years. And she had come to give a testimony that she had been prayed for and the bleeding had stopped. Now, my message, it was reckless faith. The scripture that I was going to read was around the woman with the blood issue. So God knew that this scripture, I'm making it a reality today. But I don't want you as a preacher to hear what is happening there. I'm withholding in the office. And I was amazed. I come there, greet the church, and I say, let's open the scripture. We open the scripture. As we are reading, uh, you can hear the excitement in the air. I did not even know. Even during the sermon, I did not even know. I pre- It's only after the sermon that say, do you know what God has done? The same way that you read about that woman and preached about the woman, it was exactly the testimony of the woman that came before you preached. God did not want me to come there and hear that testimony because had I had the testimony, I was going to be afraid because it might have looked staged. Are we together? He said, I don't want you to be exposed to this other side, but it's me working on both sides. Are you still with me? And I said, that God that can stop the bleeding is still a God today. Uh, are you, she bled many years, but that day when she met the Messiah, her bleeding stopped. Amen. That woman that gave her testimony, she bled many years, but that day her bleeding stopped. And today I say, your bleeding will stop. Amen. What am I referring to the bleeding? Some we are bleeding finances. Some we are bleeding our children. There's all sorts of bleeding that has taken place. And I don't know how many years have you been bleeding. But someone, somebody somewhere has been bleeding. But I say, there is a Messiah that can stop bleeding. Oh, I expect you to say amen to that. How many know what I'm talking about? Bleeding this and bleeding your finances, bleeding this, bleeding. But today, there is somebody that you can touch. And touch the hem of his garment, and that bleeding will totally come to a standstill. Oh, folks, I'm talking about the Messiah. I'm talking about the one that was here 2,000 years ago, and I'm introducing him right here and say, Somebody in the building can touch that same one, and things will stop. Amen. But it needs the right attitude. Brother Bram says in the message, as the eagle stirreth up her nest, he says, now if you've got enough faith to receive it right now as a miracle, if you've got enough faith to receive it right now as a miracle, then take the adopted baby attitude. Say, Lord, it's mine because you promised it. It will go, I'll go from here this morning praising you just the same as I was well. Praising you just the same as I am well. That's a baby attitude. Have you ever seen when your baby is sick and you tell her, say, you're going to be right, baby. Says, yes, mama, I'm going to be right. 
That is the baby attitude. And Brother says, if you don't have enough faith to receive it as a miracle now, just adopt a baby attitude. It's going to be right. And it says, start praising him as if it is already done. Hallelujah. Uh, do I have people in the building that have got needs? Do I have got people in the building that have got requests? Why don't after the service start praising God? Say, God, I thank you. I've received it. I thank you for the healing. I'm glad that you are clapping, but the devil is not going to clap to you. He is going to try to, 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 to disorientate you and tell you that it is madness. Tell him that, uh, let me tell you something. People that get normally get something from God, they normally get told by Satan that they are mad. So if you tell me that I'm mad, it is a good sign. I'm closer to a breakthrough. <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember, Satan doesn't bother people that are not about to get anything. Right when you're on the verge of a breakthrough, that's when Satan comes and says, look at that, look at that. Right there you must say, Satan, I know you normally don't take your time out of your busy schedule for nothing. If you have come my way and come to my address, there must be something that God is about to do at my address. So I'm glad you are a sign that God is about to do something. Brother Bram says it gets darker before the breaking of a day. Are you here, people? Amen. But uh, can God trust you? Brother Mr. God does not use cowards. Can God trust you to testify about something before he does it? I'm calling, Brother Mr. there is a fine line between being spiritual and being insane. Very fine line. Hallelujah. But the attitude. You remember the man that was blind that Brother Brandon prayed for and say, say, receive your healing, you're going to receive your healing. And the man who was a newspaper, vend- newspaper vendor, he came around, every time he sold the newspaper, he said, thank God I can see. But still he had a walking stick. The next morning, thank God I can see. But still he had a walking stick. The next day, thank God I can see. Week went by, second week, until the way it spread out. That man did not only lose eyesight, he has lost his mind as well. And one day when he had come for a haircut, and as he was busy, the, the young man that was busy cutting his hair, his hair he asked to say, hey, Daddy, I understand you have gone down to that holy, holy roller meeting. And an old preacher told you that you say you can see. And says right there, had it been someone would have seen after two days, two weeks, you would have been discarded. But the old man said, glory be to God. Oh, thank God that I can see. Right there, the confession that took place for the past two weeks brought the entire body in subjection to that confession. And he got amazed. He stood up and ran down the street with a towel around his shoulder and said, finally, finally, I can see. But what happened, sir? He had to say, I can see, before he actually saw. Hallelujah. You've got to say, I've received it, before you finally receive it. Hallelujah. Testify about God. Glorify Him. Hallelujah. Are you here, people? Amen. 
folks, and I've said it many a times in this church, if you work for an organization and you want to be an MD of an organization, look at your current MD how he dresses. Dress like him. Carry the same bag that he carries. Carry the same diary that he carries. Carry the same pen that he carries. Look at the weights that he uses. Adopt those weights. One day, even a security guard will say, you look like our MD. Hallelujah. Why? Before you come into the position, you've got an attitude for a position. Today, I've got, a, I've got an attitude for victory. I've got an attitude for victory. Satan is under my feet, and I will walk like that. I will speak like that. I will sing like that. Because the devil is already down there. Hallelujah. Don't, don't speak based on who you, where you are. Speak based on your potential. And yes, sisters, if you are married, speak like a married woman. If you don't have a child, be like a mother. Behave based on where you are going, not based on where you are. Hallelujah. Are we here? Will it work, folks? That is the power of emulation. A young woman had gone from the village, had gone into the city. And when she got to the city, she had a, a dress that was torn, looking very uh, very old. And she walked past a certain place, and she saw what you these dolls that they used to. I call it mommy. Shall we call it for mommy for purposes of progress? Okay. So then she saw this mommy. And it was dressed. Wearing the same dress that she was wearing. And the young woman, you know, the moment you buy a car, you see other cars like yours. It's an awareness. So when she saw that dress, she said, goodness, this dress looks like mine. And she saw that the dress of that mommy was intact, clean. And the mommy looked well-groomed, looked at the hairstyle, loved the hairstyle. Right there, she developed a burning desire. I want to look like this mommy. She went back home and sewed her dress, washed her dress, did her hair the way the mommy did the hair. Every day when she went to town, she made sure she passed by where that mummy was to look at the mummy, to readjust herself like the mummy. It happened for a while until one day while she was standing there, people began to gather around her. And they looked at the mummy and they looked at her and they say, you look exactly the same. What happened? Her attitude changed the day she saw the mummy. 
and say, I will get my dressing right. I will get my grooming right. And today, you are coming to Christ, not to behold the pastor, but to behold the Lamb of God, Christ. And you look at Christ and say, goodness, I've got a wrong attitude. I'll fix my attitude. You come, you look at Christ. I don't have the right corner. I'll fix my corner. One day, your friends will turn around and look at Christ and look at you and say, you look exactly the same. But it starts with a burning desire. Amen. Attitude. It says, when you adopt the baby attitude, I want to speak about a baby attitude. Oh, my sons, my sons, when they grew up, they did not know that I could be broke. They learned that I could be broke. I taught them that I could be broke. As far as they're concerned, this guy can never be broke. Until me, I told them that, listen, guys, wait a minute. I can be broke. A baby attitude is that my father can afford everything. I, I, I've heard it a lot of times, brothers. Uh, <laughs> brother is a school clerk, and his son sees a Ferrari going past. My dad is going to buy that. Special, <laughs> you don't know. But to the baby, he does not look at the salary of the father. All he knows, my father can do it. That's a baby attitude. Yes. Your baby, all he knows. You can, you can really sort out any man. Physically yeah. so. Can resolve any issue, even if it requires you to be involved physically. No man can overpower you. My father can beat up the whole city. Even when they play in the streets, he can tell other children, my father will beat up your fathers. <laughs> that's, that's the baby attitude. It's only when he grows up where you begin to teach him that no, son, there are bodybuilders outside. <laughs> that certain things cannot handle them. We'd rather go to the police station. But prior to that, a baby attitude says, you can resolve every issue. You can resolve every person. Now, take that baby attitude and put it into a child of God. God expects us to have the same baby attitude. Have you ever seen when your son, you move with your son, maybe there is a bully at school. That is bullying your son. And one day, for some reason, you walk into the mall and you meet that bully. You may not see it, but your child will be looking at the bully. (laughs) Provoking the bully, knowing that the bully, you can't do nothing because my father is here. I'm looking for Christians that can look at demonic forces 
and say you you can't do anything our heavenly father is here with us hallelujah are you here Christian after, after church I want you to go to that old David and say David He will get angry, but he say, you can't do me anything. Because I'm not saying our heavenly father, thou art in heaven. I say our heavenly father, thou art in me. Greater than Solomon is here. Greater than all of them is here. Satan who can never do me any harm. The bully will be so red and so angry. And the child will be enjoying but after you provoke the bully, they're not to be found without your father. Oh, the bully will teach you a lesson. I'm saying if you say to a demon, make sure that at all times, the father is there because should you be found alone, oh, the demon is going to teach you a lesson. But I'm glad that the father made a promise that I will be with you. I'll be even in you. Not until the next bully. But until the end of the world, wherever I go, the Father is there. I can provoke every demon. I can provoke every demon. Some of you, if we say, if I say, let's sickness strike, you say, hey, Pastor, be careful. What if it's cancer? I don't care. I don't care. Even if it's the grave, we have got a promise over the grave. We are only the people that can tell Satan at every time and say, Satan, I will be back. And surely we shall be back. If I go six feet, I say, I will be back. And at the right time, I will be back. A believer will never be defeated. I say a believer will never be defeated. I want you to adopt an attitude of a victor. Was it Muhammad Ali? He says, I realize it's not so much about what I'm doing in the training room. It is the attitude that I have before the battle. He says, if I walk into the ring with the mindset of a champion, there surely shall be no way that I cannot be a champion. What's your mindset? It shapes your attitude. Your attitude produces results. Are you with me? Adopt that mind, the, the mindset of being invincible. Have the thick skin to tell Satan that it's not a big deal. I'm going to sort it out. An attitude when the day is bad, you say tomorrow is going to be better. An attitude that says this week is terrible, but next week it will be better. This year is terrible, but wait for me until next year. Hallelujah. A believer is always hopeful. A believer is always optimistic. Because he knows in whom he has believed. Folks, have you ever met people with an attitude you say, goodness, only can I have half of that attitude, I will go far. And have you ever met people with attitude, they just drain you. And there are people that when you are going through a tough time, you must avoid them. Yes. Wave at them at the... 
they will bury you. Amen. And there are people, when, when it's tough, you say, only if I can get it to that brother, that sister, I know I will be rejuvenated. When you move there, you feel rejuvenated. And I say, let us be the, that kind of a church. When a person walks through the door, the gates, and is despondent, but he says, if I can make it to Lighthouse Tabernacle, Hallelujah. I don't care. The bank has taken the car, but I'm going there. If I catch a day, only if I can get to Lighthouse and get among those bunch of people and let them begin to sing, you will see, I will begin to see a possibility. Uh, yes, yes. Let us be that kind of a church that can reach such an individual and say, I know this trial. Let me wait until I get among my brothers. Let me wait until uh, some churches you can be sick. What did I come here for? You know that you normally drive a BMW, they will see you, takes it dropping off, then it's the group. (laughs) Even when they come and greet you, Ah, brother, sorry. <laughs> but there are people that you know when Satan has been tough and you go to them, they say, brother, ah, don't worry. Even me, two years back I was in the same position. But look, God can change things. Ah, don't. There's a testimony that is going to come out of this. Don't worry, this is a temporary situation. Let's come, my brother. Let's go for lunch. And they, and they, hallelujah. The beauty of the church, the beauty of the church is the character of its people. In this church, we love you when you have. We will love you when you don't have. Are you with me? When you have, even when you don't have. Okay. I know sometimes we encourage that the church must accept those who have. Some churches, sometimes, they have, uh, when people have, they make them feel very uncomfortable. A brother, uh, you allow me to preach? You know, me, I talk. The brother is a wealthy brother in the church. Now, he's there still thinking that, how can I help the church because they are worshiping in the school? Preacher after preacher, every time they come, a rich man will never go to heaven. It's like a camel going through the, ne- the hole of the needle. And I have come to learn, I was fellowshipping somewhere. When the Bible says, it's like a camel going through the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle in Israel, it is a gate. Yes. It doesn't mean like it's the needle. No, it's a gate. So people that don't understand scriptures, they talk too much. Until the brother, poor brother felt that I, I'm being attacked every Sunday in this church and I've got petrol. Phone a pastor out of town and say, I'll travel every Sunday to come to your church. He goes there, he's comfortable, he's happy there. Why? Sometimes, sometimes, sometime, more money can be a problem. Even lack of money can be a problem. It's not only rich people that have got complex. Even people that do not have, 
They've got a complex. And we must be a church that must not have a complex. A man that is educated must feel welcome. A man that is not educated must feel welcome. A man that is rich must feel welcome. A man that is not rich must feel welcome. Then we will know the Holy Ghost is working amongst us. If it's only a certain class that feels better, then it is classicism rather than the operation of the Holy Ghost. You have heard me. Amen. Amen. I think I can stop here. God bless you. Now we're going to praise God. Attitude of worship. Attitude of praise. As we stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. They worship us in the house. Hallelujah. Let's worship him.